The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's cloud strategy and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Our buzz today, shake it up, baby. Well, what are we talking about? Not exactly twist and shout, although the people we're talking to today may want to talk about that song. Let's get started. Omnichannel migration within retail. What about it? It has had far-reaching implications. How? Well, consumers, you're one. Everybody you know is one. Consumers demand to shop when, where, and how they want, how we want. And guess what? We always expect a consistent experience, whatever channel we use, any time of the day or night from any kind of connection, whether we walk into a brick-and-mortar store, whether we're online, whether we're on the phone, we want to be treated well. We want what we want when we want it, and we want it to be good. So let's take a look at the big picture here. Beyond affecting sales models and marketing strategies... This all changes the role of the CMO today in retail. Yes, big changes. How? Well, the CMO's responsibilities now overlap the CIOs and the CTOs. So little murky boundaries there. The CMO today has to oversee complex data and product innovation to be able to predict understand and align with consumer behavior. You want to find those customers. You want to know what's in their head, what's in their wallet. You've got to figure out where they are before you even know who they are. We have a panel of experts. They are retail experts today. Going to help us figure this out. So we're addressing today's retail CMO, a new outlook. If you don't have it yet, we're going to help you shake it up, baby, and help you find it. First on the panel, I'm very pleased to welcome Brian Cedarborg. I'll spell that in case you want to Google him, C-E-D-E-R-B-O-R-G. He's the VP of Retail and Wholesale at NSPRO, that's slash capital N, S-P-R-O, NSPRO Consulting. And here's a quote from Brian. He says, according to Nielsen, as of April 2014, for the first time, a majority of U.S. mobile subscribers of all age groups own smartphones. So are we looking at a bye-bye to the flip phone? Brian Cedarborg, welcome. How are you today? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks yeah. for joining me. Uh, Talk to me. What's up with this Nielsen quote? Is this something that's amazing to us, or were we expecting this? Well, I think we've been expecting it for some time now. Uh, I mean, when I when I hear that quote, when I think about that quote, of course, I I tend to think about it from the retailer point of view. Um, you know, we support uh, we support retailers about uh, hundred customers throughout North America, and when, you know, when I think about that. I, I think about how much investment our customers are making in the mobile sales channels. Uh, most of our customers have either fully executed or have in pilot or at least in the near-term roadmap are executing uh, mobile sales channels to, in response to that, to, to that phenomenon. 
Uh, and this is going beyond you know the, the basic mobile app now, the, you know the, the standalone non-integrated app into full mobile channel integration. Uh, you know as we know quite well, customers now uh, they demand consistent experience across all their sales channels. So mm-hmm. they expect that they expect that their mobile channel is going to is going to add integration across web and store. And and most of our customers are building out that integration. And this this takes the form of they're enabling things like location services or iBeaconing in stores to, to offer contextualized promotions based on location. Uh, as we see, Apple Pay and a lot of contactless payment services are now accelerating. And even, you know, even the device familiarity is now even changing the way a lot of our customers are looking at the way that they, they put technology into the stores, uh, integrating things like iPads and, and, uh, and smartphones or tablets and smartphones throughout the stores to do things like mobile point of sale, clienteling applications, or even basic store functions. And, and as you said, this is, this is forcing the CMO and the CIO to work together quite closely. It's, mm-hmm. it's now a partnership. You know, no longer can the CIO be an, an order taker at behalf of the CMO. They're true partners. Brian, I have a question for you before I bring on our second panelist. And my question is now that we, I mentioned in the, your quote from Nielsen, Mobile subscribers of all age groups own smartphones. Just because they own them doesn't mean it's easy for them to use mobile apps. Doesn't mean they even know what they're doing. Is this another hiccup for the CMO to figure out how to get apps that are so seamless, so easy, so foolproof? I use that word advisedly, maybe embarrassingly. No, I, I do well on my mobile. Uh, the question is, is, is that an extra challenge for the CMO in particular? And does it mean he, he or she has to work even more closely with the CIO to get apps that anybody can use. Just a quick thought on that, Brian? I mean, absolutely. I mean, com- complexity is the death of sales. Uh, a, a simple you know, simple user experience, simple offer set is, is critical to be able to have success in mobile and all the sales channels. Thank you very much. Let's bring on our second panelist, Dan Berthume. He is a senior editor at Chain Store Age. And here's a quote that Dan has sent me. It's from RSR. Those of you unfamiliar with those three letters, it's retail systems research. So here's the quote. RSR found profitable fulfillment to be a top priority with retailers they surveyed in 2014. Dan Berthume, welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Tell me about this interesting quote from RSR. Okay, well, I think this quote really kind of illustrates um, how omnichannel is maturing. I think a few years ago when omnichannel retail first became a really big buzzword or even a really big focus in retail, everybody was looking at the front end. How do you set up the front end consumer experience, uh, whether they're on a mobile phone or a tablet or visiting a website, or even visiting your store, they have the same basic experience, and they have the same prices and see the same item, and how can you personally target them and track their behavior so that if, you know, they go on your website and they purchase a certain item and they visit your store a week later, you can maybe identify them <clears throat> through their mobile phone and <clears throat> make some kind of targeted discount. Um, mm-hmm. But I think now we've been doing that, we're getting into, hey, guess what? There's a huge back-end fulfillment issue. You need to do a lot of alignment of usually siloed fulfillment systems for your stores and your website and your different channels. Um, you need to have a real-time or near-real-time view of where all your inventory is, and you need to know if a customer comes in a store looking for an item that's not there. Maybe it's available at a store a couple miles away, and you can fulfill 
from that store. Um, it's the missing piece of the omni-channel puzzle. And if you don't have that fulfillment and you don't fulfill the front-end promise of omni-channel, um, it's really damaging to your brand. And I think that actually becomes a major marketing issue where you're worse off having a good omni-channel front-end experience and bad back-end experience and bad fulfillment. You're better off not doing omni-channel at all until you have all those factors uh, figured out. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much to my point. Appreciate that, Dan, and welcome to the show. And rounding out our panel today is Nancy Casey. She was on, I think, Coffee Break with Game Changers with me just uh, last year. And Nancy is the Global Vice President of Customer-Centric Merchandising and Marketing at SAP. And here's a quote from another great source, Oxford Economics. And Oxford Economics found in a 2015 survey this year that, quote, by the time a consumer is shopping in a store... 80% of them have already checked prices online. Nancy Casey, welcome back to Game Changers Radio. How are you today, Nancy? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me on the thank- show. Oh, delighted. You're one of our, our go-to people for retail, and that's why you're here, as well as with your co-panelists, Brian and Dan. So talk to me, Nancy. Interesting quote, uh, 80% of the way. I usually was seeing this quote as 70%, so it's escalated to 80%. What does this mean to the retail CMO, Nancy? Yeah, this is a really uh, interesting quote because you can see that, you know, within every year that goes by, this percentage just continues to increase, right? So uh, in the traditional way, when you had the brick-and-mortar stores before e-commerce, you had consumers, they'd go to a traditional store, they'd find the prices when they're at the store, maybe get a coupon. But now with just uh, information uh, at your fingertips everywhere, consumers are more and more uh, looking, checking out prices, checking out promotions. They're trained to look at promotions anywhere they go. So before they even enter the store, they're already trained to to make sure that they get the right prices and incredibly informed. They're also using social media very much so to uh, influence their purchasing decisions and find the right price. So it creates both a, I'd say, a challenge and an opportunity for a retailer because uh, technology is really uh, empowering the consumer to have more information about products, have the best prices, check you know, all the different competition, uh, and so it enables or it, um, it creates an opportunity for the retailers to really have to, you know, connect to the consumer, making sure that they're providing the right product, the right prices, uh, and building that personalized connection with them. Thank you, Nancy. Very interesting. A question for you. Is it really the job of the retail CMO to worry about when somebody walks into a store and says, uh, hello, uh, Miss Mary Sunshine, my, my, what do we say, my associate, my floor associate or floor work, floor person in the brick and mortar store? I've just come from your online website and I saw that I'm entitled to a 25% discount because my first name begins with the letter R and it's Tuesday. Uh, are you going to make sure that happens when I buy this new, uh, this new pair of running shoes I'm buying? Doesn't that have to trickle down to training and, and the whole customer experience at the very ground level, Nancy? Or is this part of what the retail CMO is facing as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the retail CMO, the role has been uh, ever-changing. And, you know, traditionally you had the CMO that was more responsible for, uh, you know, building uh, lead generation, building marketing campaigns, the store separate from any kind of Internet. But with the convergence of all of these channels, uh, absolutely the CMO is now engaged with, you know, trying to figure out, uh, you know, who their best consumers are, who their best shoppers are, um, and ensuring that they have that best, uh, you know, omni-channel experience. So they can research on the web, they can go to the store, 
your shopping is like a bowl of spaghetti now, right? You have no idea where they're starting. <laughs> so you have to ensure that, you know, they're really building a, a great experience and brand no matter where they are. They could be on a mobile phone, the web, the store, on a kiosk. Uh, so it's, it's imperative for the CMOs to really uh, understand the consumer and work closely with all the different departments so that it can drive uh, the best experience. I love that. Shopping is like a bowl of spaghetti. You have no clue where the customer's journey is starting. I, I'm, you know, during the break, I have to tweet that, Nancy. That was just precious. And, uh, you know, maybe that's really what we, what we need to talk about is think of food and that'll make everything terrific. Now, thank you, Nancy. Pleasure to speak with you again. Brian Cedarborg, I warned you about this part of the show. I'm going to ask you what's in your cup today or what are you planning on drinking? What do you wish you were drinking when we're off the air? So you're up first, Brian Cedarborg at Inspire. Consulting. Talk to me. All right. So, so uh, what's in my cup is is water, and it's it's water for a reason because I'm I'm an avid CrossFitter, and, and those who you know aren't familiar familiar with the the exercise methodology, I highly encourage you to check it out. But I spend most of my day trying to hydrate from very exhausting workouts throughout the day. And tell me, is there a flavor to this water? Is it is it cold? Is it room temperature? Is it in a bottle? Is it in a special fancy container? I need to know a little more about your personality, Brian. Humor me, humor me. Yeah, <laughs> I go. This is probably indicative of my personality. It's room temperature, sitting in a a very plain glass. Okay, <laughs> I asked, didn't I? I had to ask. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. We are very happy that you're hydrated. We are very proud of you. Dan Prithum, you know, I, I mentioned how to spell Brian's last name, and I didn't spell yours, Dan, so I'm going to give you the same courtesy. Nancy is easy, C-A-S-E-Y. Dan Prithum's last name, in case you want to look him up, is B-E-R-T-H. I-A-U-M-E. I had to doctor that in my notes so I could pronounce it right. Dan Berthoom, Senior Editor at Chain Store Age. What do they let you drink when you go on the radio, or did you do something independent? Dan, talk to me. Well, I think after the show is over, um, I'm a lifetime New Englander and a beer aficionado, and I know that means people usually think of Sam Adams, but I might crack an Narragansett which is a local beer out of Rhode Island. Um, they discontinued but brought back a few years ago, and viewers of a certain age or listeners of a certain age might remember it. It was actually the beer that Captain Quint drank in Jaws, uh, for better or worse. Wow. And what's the name of the beer again so I can capture this in my notes? What is it? Sure. Narragansett. It's actually named after Narragansett, Narragansett Bay in Rhode Island. It's a real kind of classic New England beer. Um, they used to advertise during the Red Sox radio broadcast in the 70s when I was a kid, so... I guess it's kind of a nostalgic thing, but it actually tastes pretty good. And I do also I'm... like Sam Adams, for the record. Okay, well, I'm glad you're going on the record. NarragansettBeer.com. Hi, neighbor. News that our latest Lovecraft series brew, blah, blah, blah. They, they're Innsmouth Old Ale, O-L-D-E-L, won a gold medal at the Tastings World Beer Championship. So that's some news for you, Dan. You can go All look right. that up on your own, but they have their own website. Wow, wow, wow. Nancy Casey, well, we've got one water on the table. We've got one beer. What are you drinking? Let's make it something really interesting. <laughs> Well, no pressure. Talk about coffee since uh, they haven't talked about it. But my my absolute favorite drink is a soy latte. I have to have a few every day. Um, for those who know me, they know that I have high energy, so it just gives me more energy. But uh, that's what I drink. And my favorite soy latte I've ever had was uh, in Amsterdam. We do quite a bit of travel, and uh, having soy lattes uh, envision just kind of. Picturing myself sitting in Amsterdam, looking out into the water, the cobblestone street, uh, lots of picturesque uh, homes everywhere, and 
just uh, drinking my favorite uh, my favorite drink. Very nice. Thank you. We've got one water, one beer, and one coffee. I'll pick up the tab for all three of you. And by the way, Mandy Lynn is tweeting. And Mandy, if you want to share with us what you're drinking today, Mandy was tweeting on our last show about an hour ago. So I would, uh, Mandy Lynn at Mandy Bay Area. If you want to just send me a tweet at hashtag SAP Radio, we'll tell everybody what you're drinking as well. And Nancy knows this, but Dan and Brian don't. They only let Bonnie have water on radio show days. You probably figured out why. No caffeine for me until after the show. Tuesday is our double header, by the way. We had a show at 10 o'clock, and here we are at noon live. So we're going to take a quick break and regroup here. Our topic today, a very important one. Today's Retail CMO, a new outlook and a lot more. You're listening to a live edition of Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, brought to you by SAP. Our special thought leaders today are Brian Cedarborg at NSPRO Consulting, Dan Berthoom at Chain Store Age, Nancy Casey at SAP, and I am Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back after the break, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Bread out. <music> it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. SAP, co-innovating alongside customers, is taking its industry-specific solutions into the cloud. Join us to learn how to make the world run simpler in the cloud without missing a beat. It's a tall order. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers brings together the people who are making it happen. We'll delve into very specific industry challenges and also solutions that run across disparate industries, all to help you succeed in your mission. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. Here we are. We are Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, speaking today with three interesting experts, Brian Cedarborg at Enspro Consulting, Dan Berthoom at Chain Store Age, and Nancy Casey at SAP. And I have a blast from Mandy Lynn here at hashtag SAP Radio. She's just grabbing a chai latte. Well, drink up and enjoy it, Mandy. I know you're working hard to capture the words of wisdom, the wows, from our three panelists today. Our topic is today's retail CMO, a new outlook. We're organizing this show a little bit different than differently blah, than we usually do. Uh, we're going to talk about results and ROI as our first topic, and I'll go around the table. Then after that, we'll talk about physical and digital convergence as our second main topic, and we'll go around the table again. And then we'll finish up with key takeaways for retail CMOs today. So we're going to cover a lot of territory here. Brian Cedarborg has graciously agreed to open the roundtable with me. And Brian, I'm looking at your notes. Let's start here. Contextual promotions and insights from big data are being used to determine best practices for improving physical or digital sales channel performance. That's a mouthful. Why don't you explain it, expand it, and then we will bring in 
We'll bring in uh, Dan and Nancy to talk on the same topic in general. Go ahead, Brian. Sure. Thanks. So, yeah, on the on the topic of ROA, I guess I guess first, I mean, it's uh, big data, of course, has provided the ability for uh, for retailers to be able to bring together multiple data sources that they couldn't easily do so before. Um, so there's so the amount of metrics that are able to to be brought to bear to be able to assess effectiveness of of all types of promotions, um, you know, are richer now than they've ever been. That, that said, you know, our our clients, the, the standard sales margin lift are still are still most are still important. In fact, you know, most important in many ways, you know, the standard email open click through rates, those are those are extremely important. But what a lot of customers are doing with this newfound access to data is they're starting to assess things like uh, like customer engagement, um, you know, assess you know, customer visits, basket size, number of categories shopped, even things like social sentiment. Now they're able to bring in uh, feeds from various social outlets and integrate that in with the overall customer performance across all the sales channels. Um, you know, along the line, so we talked about contextual promos, promotions, you know, and, and how, you know, Big Data is helping to, to enable those. Well, you know, they're, they're becoming uh, clearly much more common as, uh, as mobile channels, uh, mobile and web channels continue to expand. And, uh, and you know, customers begin to build baskets and plan trips uh, electronically. And a lot of our customers, especially, you know, some of our food retailer customers, for example, I mean, they're doing things like uh, enabling recipe planning online and basically enabling customers to build repeatable baskets based on past uh, past purchases mm-hmm. through their mobile channel. Interesting. Okay. Let's move to Dan Berthum. What would you like to add about results in ROI? What are your observations on this topic, Dan? Um, I would think I definitely agree. It is kind of very difficult to measure ROI with this um, with this new digital marketing. Um, I think I would add that for a lot of retailers, um, they, you know, they try to figure out what is the real value if you know we have X number of Facebook followers or X number of Twitter followers or what have you. And other been efforts in the past to actually figure out the um, numeric, you know, the dollar value. Each somebody once figured out each, you know, Twitter, you know, Facebook follower has a has a dollar value of a dollar seventeen. I don't know how to figure that out. I think that's been sort of put in the background. Um, but I would agree with Brian that a lot of this has to be tracked somewhat indirectly. Um, I think you need to look at if you do a large digital promotion and you see a noticeable lift in sales, I mean, particularly the digital channels afterward. That gives you an idea that that it's working, um, and, yeah, you need to start looking into things like social sentiment. Are you getting more positive um, mentions on social media? Um, but I think it's the key is that retailers need to really go past just measuring traditional ROI. We invested X amount of dollars, got Y amount of dollars back. You might never be able to do that completely with digital advertising, and you have to start looking at, you know, some other um, maybe indirect indications that your digital marketing is actually working for you. 
Interesting. I'm reading from your notes, Dan, that nearly 20% of budgets are being spent globally on digital campaigns and marketing tools, which does make measurement even more complex, and you've just addressed that. Is this frustrating for CMOs today, frustrating that they're spending that much? And is that more or less historically, do you know, than what they used to spend? Is this a rise in budget spend? Um, I don't have any specific study to quote, but I would I would say that's definitely a rise. I mean, if you if you think about you know, digital campaigns barely existed even 10 years mm-hmm. ago. Um, certainly they're becoming more and more important, and I think it is frustrating, and I think a lot of the frustration might not be so much. I think the average chief marketing officer sort of understands, um, you know, the soft returns of, of marketing campaigns, but when you have to go to your CFO or your CEO or COO, they don't, you know, a lot of times they don't know, particularly care about, well, our social sentiment um, became 15% more positive. I mean, they want to say, okay, how much money do we get back? Mm-hmm. And so I think it might be incumbent upon the CMO in, to some extent to educate, you know, the other C-level executives um, that now are playing many times a fairly active role both in IT and in marketing. Um, and IT and marketing themselves are uh, kind of merging in many, in many cases. And, you know, they need to understand that. I might not always be able to tell you, well, if we – put $1 million in digital marketing, we got $1.5 million back. It may not always be that simple. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice if it were? Nancy Casey, join us. And I know that social sentiment is a hot topic for you. You want to chime in on that or anything else on results in ROI? Go ahead, Nancy. Yeah, I would add to that. I think uh, you know what Dan was saying is social sentiment, social media is a big part uh, for for retailers because that they know that that's the way that they're going to connect uh, with the end consumers. The more and more consumers are now relying on social media to influence um, their purchasing decisions. Where before they even you know decide to buy something, they'll go on, they'll look, see what their friends are doing, they'll post comments, they'll post feedback. Uh, so you know, I think CMOs. Me in the past have looked at social sentiment as a way to just you know, maybe respond and uh, respond to comments. You know, where do I find you know this product? Um, how can I get better service? But you can see more and more now that social sentiment is a good way to for retailers to connect more one-on-one with consumers and try to uh, get that ROI. So if they post a promotion, for example, on the social media and then you can, the consumers click on that, you can directly measure that ROI. But it's a kind of a, a great way to get more of that one-to-one um, interaction with the consumer um, and try to see what promotions are working, um, get immediate feedback. Um, and then, you know, as uh, both Brian and Dan mentioned, it's important to ultimately get the ROI on that, right? So it's not just about responding to comments, um, but it's about trying to get the click-through and really try to measure that uh, financial profit and financial improvement um, from that social sentiment or campaign that you've done. Thanks, Nancy. I'm going back to a comment from Dan he, a moment ago. He said digital campaigns barely existed 10 years ago. So, Nancy, I'm going to ask you, social sentiment, does that have CMOs uh, saying, wow, we finally know what people are really thinking at the moment they're thinking, or does it have them saying, give me Excedrin number 999, headache cure, please, because I just don't know. I've been here in this job for 20, 30 years, and now I'm expected to monitor social sentiment. Really? Is this a point of frustration or a point of enlightenment? Any thoughts on how they're responding? responding to the existence of social sentiment, Nancy? Yeah, it's interesting that you asked that because I was uh, recently at a CMO conference um, in New York City, and they were talking about this as one of the probably the top uh, topics, like the top two 
topics they were talking about is social sentiment because it is a headache, right? Because you're talking about thousands and thousands of comments. Mm-hmm. You can literally have somebody, you know, typing all day long to respond. So, you know, that that's both, uh, you know, it's a challenge for retailers to say, okay, am I going to sit there and respond to every comment? You know, how do I measure the effectiveness? I can't connect with possibly every single consumer, right? So it's about really, I think, understanding your consumer. They know that it's, it's critically important. Uh, they know that more and more consumers are relying on these social channels, right, to influence their decisions. So they know that they have to connect, but they have to be really smart and efficient, right, to do that. It's about, you know, connecting to the right consumers, um, building mm-hmm. the right brand, right, and just being efficient, I would, I would say. Um, and then the marketing departments are changing, right? So uh, the old CMO role may have had a lead generation uh, department, a marketing mm-hmm. campaign department. You know, some retailers now have a whole social media department. So I think it's uh, it's evolving. It's it's a really exciting time. I don't think that anybody has one you know, solution right now, but they know that it's important and they're they're trying to be uh, efficient to make sure that they are you know building that uh, consumer um, personalization. Thank you, Nancy. It sounds like there are a lot of job openings in this area for <laughs> monitoring and responding to. Do we really need to respond to that? I don't know, Bob. That doesn't look like a good one. Let's move on to the next 10,000 comments we got today, if you're lucky. Let's tune back on to uh, Brian Cedarborg. I'm going to let you wrap up on this. Any comments you'd like to make on what Dan and Nancy shared on our opening topic of results and ROI? Thoughts? Yeah, I would say, again, uh Sales and margin lifting are always going to win out. Uh, the advent of big data is, is actually creating more complexity, as, as we discussed. So it's incumbent upon the CMOs to basically filter out all the noise to be able to focus in on what's most important to drive their bottom lines. Thank you very much. I'm going to move on to Dan Berthum at Chain Store Age. Uh, Dan. I want to talk about physical and digital convergence. So that's our second main topic today. I'm going to read a little bit from your notes. Have you kicked this off? And then we'll go around the table and see what everybody else has to say. So you say, along with measuring the impact of marketing tools and campaigns, the CMO also now plays an important role in investment decisions for new technologies and platforms. Well, that might be what's also keeping them awake at night. Dan, why don't you take us through this, please? Oh, sure. Well, I think definitely um, in the last several years, marketing has taken a much more active role in IT. Um, I think in some organizations, IT has even been absorbed into the marketing department. Um, In some respect, the CIO might be less important today, not in all cases, but in many cases than they were a few years ago. Um, Because I think so many companies and so many retailers in particular are looking at IT as now primarily it's a marketing function. It's, you know, the things we're discussing. How are you taking all this big data you're bringing in and using it to better target your customers and better give them the products they want, the prices they want, to boost sales and boost profits? Um, there's just such a focus in general. I think retailers become so marketing-focused. They're now looking at all their IT decisions. Um, and, again, even back-end, like as you mentioned earlier, um, even fulfillment system, Play such a crucial role in um, delivering on your marketing promise that everything is kind of becoming under the oversight of the marketer, which I think in many cases probably is a huge headache as well as a huge um, responsibility. But I would say that for marketers to ensure that they're making cost and you know cost-effective, intelligent decisions, they need to be transparent with others on the management team. Um, they shouldn't be you know freezing out the CIO or they shouldn't be 
you know, telling the CFO, well, this is a marketing issue and you don't really know what you're talking about. Um, I think the chief marketing officer needs to actively get involved with everybody else in the C-suite. They need to discuss common goals. They need to align their desired results. I mean, ultimately, everybody wants a company to make more money. At the end of the day, that's your common goal. You know, maybe the marketer is looking more at things like, I want to have, you know, better um, customer satisfaction. You know, the CFO is probably looking more at the bottom line. Um, the CIO is probably looking at what, you know, what, what are the most um, effective technologies I can get with the budget I have. But everybody should align all those smaller goals into that one major goal where, you know, ultimately the company should be as profitable as possible. Thank you. Nancy Casey, thoughts on this? Yes, I would agree with uh, what Dan is saying is that, you know, you're seeing the the convergence of marketing and IT because, you know, as we mentioned earlier, is that now that the CMO in their kind of newer role is is uh, responsible for understanding that consumer, part a big part of that is having the data uh, to do so, so and using technology to understand who your consumers are, how they like to shop, uh, and then uh, using technology, uh, defining that experience with the consumer. So, we see that you know the CMOs are working very closely with uh, the IT folks. In some cases, you even have the departments converging, uh, where you know they have to make joint decisions on you know who their customers are. You know how do we bring the store and the e-commerce world together. Uh, and then also let's not forget about, you know, the other key departments like in merchandising store operations where they really have to make, uh, in order to be successful, I really believe that they have to work importantly together uh, to really understand that consumer and then everything else, every business decision from there uh, relies on first understanding that consumer. Thank you. Brian Cedarborg, join us. Thoughts on physical and digital convergence. Yeah, I, I guess... You know, across all of our customers, of course, there's a continuum all the way from uh, customers that have more strong CMOs and weaker CIOs to stronger CIOs and weaker CMOs. But the customers that seem to be doing the best in this area are the ones that have both a strong marketing and technology function, and they work in partnership with each other. Um, because the marketers, of course, have to provide, you know, the, you know, the right customer experience that's, that's meaningful to their, you know, to their core customer set, but then of course the the CIO has to be has to be able to pro- provide that in a cost-effective manner and put together a platform that's you know that's nimble and can be managed, uh, you know, managed appropriately, you know, within budget constraints. So so those that are strong on both sides and look and look at each other as you know from a consultative point of view are the ones that, that do the best here in our in our experience. Okay. Thank you. Dan, let me toss this back to you. Any additional thoughts on this part of our topic? Um, I would say I actually agree with Brian. I think that the best scenario would be a strong CMO and a strong CIO. Um, They both have different areas of expertise, which, while they are converging, are still separate. Um, You know, the the marketer is not likely to have the same in-depth understanding of how technology works that the CIO has, and the CIO mm-hmm. probably doesn't have the same insight into, you know, the consumer experience and satisfying the customer needs that the CMO has. Um, so I think in addition to in general, you know, the marketer needs to work with the entire C-suite. I think in particular retailers be advised um, not to just strip power from the CIO as they're taking a marketing focus, but keep that strong CIO while also recognizing the, um, you know, growing importance of marketing and, uh, in today's environment. 
Dan, are they bumping heads if they're in the same department now? I'm so intrigued with this, the marketing and IT, the CMO, the CIO. Who is leading? Who is following? Are they sharing 50-50 in the decisions that are being made? Uh, Does marketing say to the CIO, we need this, this, and this, go make it happen for us? Does the CIO come back and say, nope, we can't, we don't have this, we don't have that, we need you to give us more budget for new technology so we can deliver that? Is that a a push-me-pull-you like a seesaw? And who's in charge? Any thoughts on that? I think, um, not to give an answer that's a cop-out, but I think it varies by organization. I think there are probably a lot of organizations where you do have the head bumping since this convergence is still relatively new. um, But I think one thing a lot of retailers are taking advantage of in terms of selecting and implementing a solution, thanks to cloud technology and thanks Mm -hmm. to, you know, software as a service, and infrastructure as a service, in many cases, you can very inexpensively, and even in a matter of minutes in some cases, just select and turn on a solution. And you can get it, you know, you can host it for a trial period. And if you don't like it, you shut it off. Um, I think what a lot of companies are doing to try to reduce some of that friction is each department, at least in some cases, can has their own IT budget, and they can select and deploy their own solutions to make their own decisions um, for the point solution. So maybe the marketing department can pick their own, you know, um, you know, targeted selling um, solution that's, you know, you, you just kind of turn on um, through cloud hosting. And then the IT department would still retain responsibility for the larger backbone and more of, you know, maybe the core um, business technology. Um, I think that's one way a lot of retailers are trying to, deal with, um, you know, what inevitably are going to be different departments figuring out who's responsible for what as this convergence happens and as the silos come down. Thank you very much. I'm going to move on to our final major topic of the day. Uh, Let's see. We've got about, ooh, I'm looking at the clock here. 10, 12, about 14 minutes left before we're going to move into our crystal ball predictions round at the end. So I'll save plenty of time for each of you. Nancy Casey, I'd like to chat about the key takeaways for retail CMOs today. And I'm looking at your notes and I see here some concern about the disconnect. If the CMOs team has failed to connect digital promotions with planners by location. Now, we're talking brick and mortar, obviously, because there is no such thing as location when you're online unless you have sub-websites, I'm assuming, or uh, sub-virtual stores, they may be pushing coupons to people where the product isn't even available or where pricing strategies don't align in the store. So let's talk about this real-time disconnect. How bad is it? What are the takeaways for the CMO? Nancy? Yeah, I think that uh, more and more CMOs are trying to work, you know, in the kind of this new role that they have, uh, working more closely with, as we mentioned, IT. Uh, merchandising is a key part of this because anybody in retail knows that, you know, merchandising has traditionally uh, held a lot of power, right, making major purchasing and product decisions. Uh, it, merchandising and marketing in particular have to work very closely together. I'm sure everybody has, has been in a scenario where you've been, you've had a promotion, you wanted to, uh, you know, use a, a coupon or promotion, you get to the store and the product's not there. So, 
you know, you could have lost loyalty from that consumer at that point. So it is absolutely important, and I, I go back to, I think fundamentally, if uh, the retailer, the overall company is really understanding who their consumers are, you know, is it the millennial, is it the, uh, you know, suburban uh, moms, is it, you know, what type of segments, is it the sports fanatics, who are your core customers, and then, then from there, marketing and merchandising can work together to figure out, you know, how do we segment our customers, how do we make sure that we have the right promotions going out uh, to these segments, and then, for example, if you do a promotion, whether it's on, you know, a mobile uh, loyalty app or if you do a promotion on the web, uh, when you get them to the store, the inventory has got to be there. You've got to get the right fulfillment, and you know you're really just try- you're really focusing on making sure that they have the best experience, so that the consumers uh, come back uh, again, and you're building that brand loyalty. Thank you very much. Very interesting. You talked about how powerful merchandising used to be. So I'm going to ask you this similar question to what I just asked a moment ago, Nancy, before I bring Brian and Dan into this part of our conversation. And the question is, are they bumping heads? Is there a power play? Is merchandising saying, don't tell me what to do, and the CMO saying, damn it, I have to? Uh, <laughs> who, who, who's, who's at the top of that, that uh, power totem pole? Are they both saying, oh, yeah, this is great. We're working together. We'll just figure it out together. What, any uh, reality checks here on, on what's really happening behind the scenes? I think it's an evolving market, and uh, it's changing, just like technology is just changing literally you know, in front of our eyes. So are the businesses. So I think the most successful retailers are ones where you know, the, uh, a new type of marketing person who's understanding the digital uh, transformation, understanding the consumer, uh, works well with merchandising because they, they get it, that if they build a business strategy together, uh, that they will be successful because you will do the right um, brand building, you'll have the right products that consumers will want to buy, which just it all creates a better ROI, right? Financial improvement on inventory turn, better sell-through. Uh, so those are the, I would say, the most successful ones working together. Is it perfect? You know, are they all working together today? I would say no, just like, you know, IT is also um, somewhere in that mix. I think uh, it's evolving, um, but as I mentioned, I think I, I do see that uh, some very successful, uh, you know, agile retailers who are innovating um, are creating more of that merchandising and marketing uh, collaboration. Thank you. Collaboration is a good thing in this case. Brian Cedarborg at Enspro Consulting. What do you observe in terms of, or what are just independently, what are your takeaways for the retail CMOs of today? I think one of the most important factors that a lot of retailers are facing is that the customer-facing technology is changing at a far more rapid pace than back-end retail technologies are. Um, because if you think about it, most, most retailers that, you know, these retailers have been in business for greater than 10, 20 years, when they, uh, when they built out their technology systems, you know, one – they had, there were limitations on multiple systems. Point of sale, for example, and many uh, many retailers are running points of sale that are in excess of ten or twenty years old. Uh, additionally, when, when e-commerce uh, came as a viable channel for retailers uh, to get in the game relatively quickly, most retailers put that in a, in, in a siloed fashion. So there was there were disconnected uh, sales channels and there were disconnected supply chain systems. So you know, so as Nancy was discussing, is as we start to try and bring together, as consumers are demanding more integrated sales offers, and as we start to, you know, have this this need to be able to have global views to inventory across all the sales channels, it's it's very challenging for for most retailers because 
there, there isn't that global visibility across uh, what's you know, across all their different stores, across web, uh, across mm-hmm. all the fulfillment centers, uh, et cetera. And, uh, and, and there's not global visibility across how a customer is engaging across all their sales channels. So there's a, a tremendous amount of investment around that integration in the back end. That's the biggest challenge I see right now for retailers. Thank you very much. Dan Berthum, let's get your voice added to this party. Uh, key takeaways for retail CMOs. You can talk about what Nancy and Brian just talked about or bring us some new ideas. Um, I would say, I think just looking back on really just the general conversation everybody's had, um, the role of the modern CMO is becoming a lot more difficult to define. Um, we have new business models, all these new channels, um, you know, they're, they're social channels. Um, Tablet is becoming a separately defined channel that, really only came into being five years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Different customer behaviors, uh, consumer behaviors being altered by all these new, you know, this new constantly connected lifestyle. And the role of the CMO um, now includes leveraging technologies, increasing the part, uh, collaboration across departments, and also finding new tools to collect customer insights and measuring results. I mean, we talked about measuring social sentiment. Um, there are a huge number of solutions and services and consultancies that all just focus on social sentiment. It's not that easy to say we're going to measure, you know, if people like us or not on, on Twitter. I mean, there's a real, you've got to do your homework and really select the best solution. And right there's an example where probably, you know, a strong collaboration between a CMO and a CIO that, you know, has standing in the company would, would benefit both. And, um, with each of these added responsibilities also comes the need to improve store performance. And I, th- I think Nancy had touched on the store in previous comments, and I think that's something worth um, just uh, uh, really amplifying is the store is such a huge component of the omnichannel experience, and any marketing strategy mm-hmm. should really be focused on getting customers to your stores. That's where 90% of your sales are, and that's where the best – cross-selling and ancillary selling opportunities are. Um, that's where your branding is. And just the fact that even a company like Amazon is piloting, you know, at least some sort of limited store um, experiment shows you how crucial stores are these days. Um, but you really need to connect with consumers across all the different channels, wherever they are, at all times, like never before. Um, so I think marketers have a lot more on their plate than they did even maybe five years ago. Thank you. Nancy, we open this topic with you. Any thoughts you want to share on what Brian or Dan added? Yeah, I would just agree, you know, with basically what they're saying is that, uh, you know, the role is constantly changing. I think uh, it's a really exciting time uh, for all of us and retailers, too, who are embracing this change. And, you know, how do you take that measurement? They're getting a lot of pressure. CMO is getting a ton of pressure to, to make sure that they have that financial measurement. They really have to work closely. Uh, it's not just, you know, checking the box saying, oh, yes, you know, I had the meeting with merchandising and IT and we're good. I mean, it's really collaborating. It's taking a lot uh, of data, being able to efficiently, you know, work together. Everybody says, yes, I, yes, I, I know my consumers. I segmented them 10 years ago, and uh, I know who they are. But, you know, the market's changing rapidly. I mean, you could look on a social media site and see, you know, an emerging uh, new consumer uh, trend that's your best customer, that, you know, with the advent of technology, you can figure that out rather quickly. So it's imperative for, you know, all these departments to work closely together, embrace the new role of the CMO, because ultimately that's, you know, how you're going to succeed, uh, I think, in this, uh, in this new world. 
Mm, thank you. I have a question for the whole panel. We're talking about contextual experiences, and I think we mentioned digital coupons, driving traffic to the store. Uh, Dan, I believe you were the one who said, was it you, Dan? Yes, that 90% of sales are still in store, so CMOs need to drive traffic to the brick-and-mortar experience. Now, let's say you have a bunch of customers in the store, and uh, somebody steps up to the cash register, and they're buying a popular item, and you have just pumped some digital coupons to their smartphone. And they're standing there at the register, and the the uh, sales clerk or associate or whatever you want to call him or her says, Bob, we're so excited. Now you can get 25% off on this. We're so glad you're using your digital coupon. And uh, Mrs. Smith is standing behind Bob online. And Mrs. Smith says, what 25% off coupon? I didn't get one. I checked my mailbox before I came to the store. Why don't I get the 25%? How do you deal with the fact that some consumers will not have that smartphone savvy? They won't check their phone for coupons. They're not going to be entitled. You know, in the old days, which are probably 10 minutes ago, you could walk into a store like Macy's or Bloomingdale's and you had the the physical coupon in your hand. You got it in the mail, the shiny thing with the logo, and it said 25% off. And if you didn't use it or it didn't apply to your purchase, you could turn around, and a lot of people have done this because I've been part of this, and say uh, to the person next to you online, I'm not using this coupon. Would you like to use it? And you physically pass coupon from person to person. The store doesn't care. So my question is, how do you equalize that experience if you've got the convergence of the digital-driven coupon to the person physically standing in the store? I know it was a long-winded question, but Nancy, Dan, Brian, who wants to address that, if you can? Anybody take a stab? Um, I'll just just jump in first. I I would say um, one big thing is you really need to educate your customers beforehand. Um, You need to recognize Mm -hmm. that not all your customers walk into this really understanding targeted selling or, or digital coupons or digital loyalty. And I think you need to make sure that when people sign up for the lo- your loyalty program, they know exactly what it means. They understand you're going to get exclusive non-transferable offers um, based on your individual purchase history. Other customers love different offers. Um, you know, I, th- I think you know, educating people uh, won't solve every issue, but I think it certainly would help resolve that kind of a problem before it happens. Okay. I could, you could see somebody passing their smartphone and saying, uh, give her the same coupon. I have it on my phone. Let Mrs. Smith use it. And what would the clerk say? Nancy, you want to chime in on this or anybody else? I think the key is uh, simplicity, right? So many consumers today, they're, they're just, you know, they'll still feel confused because they got the physical coupons. They know that there's a mobile app, but they're not really sure how to sign up. They want to get the coupons, but, uh, you know, they're not really sure, like, what, what's the best way to do this? Do you go in the store? Or are you going to go on the Internet? So it's about education, I think, as Dan mentioned, and the key for retailers is to really keep it simple, right? Have a very simple and beautiful experience so that, you know, if you want to sign up for a mobile loyalty app, you know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. It takes five minutes to, you know, type in your loyalty, um, your information, and then you're done, right? Because I, I know just personally, like I was uh, just being a consumer, it was really difficult for me to sign up for a mobile loyalty program because I didn't know what my loyalty card number was. Was it the first five digits, the, first, the last oh. ten? And I just gave up, right, after a few minutes. So it, wow. the key is really making it easy. Uh, and this is me as a technology person, right? So Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, uh, you know, simplicity is key, and uh, you really have to, it's about focusing on the brand for the retailer and uh, just make that experience simple so they, they don't even think twice as a consumer as, wait, am I using my mobile device? Am I in the store? Make it a consistent experience. 
Thank you. Education, consistency, simplicity, lead them there, give them what they want and make it just a pleasant experience. Good, good, good. Anybody else want to comment on that before we slide into home plate for our predictions? Yeah, I guess I'll just chime in just to, just to wrap. Uh, yeah, please. Both, uh, what both Dan and Nancy said, I mean, what a lot of our customers are, are missing is the importance, as, as we've said, of the, of the store channel and, and really the education of the store associates in executing these type of offers. Uh, some of our customers miss on adequately ed- educating the store associates because so they, they're the ones there we're interacting with that customer on a daily basis. They're the ones that can create the incentives to, to move people toward the mobile channels. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm looking at the time here, and we've got uh, five minutes left total, so I'm going to allocate 60 seconds to each of you for predictions. I think we did a little bit of it in our third part of the show, key takeaways for retail CMOs of today. So let's push that out to a time in the future. I love the year 2020. You don't have to. I'm going to start with Brian Cedarborg and ask you to fast forward this conversation. What would a key takeaway or a key dream or a goal be for a CMO at, in retail, at a future time, you tell me how far in the future you want to go. 60 seconds, predictions, Brian Cedarborg and Spro Consulting. Go. Okay. Well, I think in, in five years, I, I do think these, these location-dependent one-to-one marketing offers will be mainstream. Uh, you talked about, you know, receiving coupons in the front, you know, in the front ends, in the lanes. But uh, even as customers are, are, are shopping the stores, if you're in the baby aisle and you're in uh, – the, the technology is going to be so robust that they'll see that you're pausing in front of a certain section in baby and then, and then offers for specific, um, you know, for specific upsell, cross-sell opportunities within that specific category will be issued immediately to your, to your mobile device. Uh, that, that's, that's going to be mainstream in, in five years. Thank you very much. Dan Berthoom at Chain Store Age. What seest thou, maybe with a Narragansett beer in one hand and a crystal ball in the other, maybe one will help the other? I don't know, Dan. What do you see? I can give you a full 60 seconds for predictions. We might even have a little extra time, but go ahead, Dan. Okay. Well, maybe the Narragansett's a look back and the crystal ball is a look ahead, but looking <laughs> ahead in five years, I think... Digital marketing is just going to be much more visual. If you look right now, all the visually oriented social platforms like Instagram and Snapchat, and especially Pinterest, are really exploding while you know Facebook and Twitter are tailing off. I think that's going to continue. And I think marketers really need to look at visual tools. I think they need to look at visual campaigns. They need to realize that, you know, as, especially as millennials, um, we grew up in a very visual um, environment, become, you know, more dominant in the marketplace, you've got to be ready to serve people that, you know, quite literally don't tell me, show me. You need, you need to have a solution that is going to give them images of what they want and let them shop by image. And you need things, and like Nordstrom has done things, like with buyable pins. Um, I think marketers really need to prepare for a world where your marketing content is, is basically visual and, um, you know, words might not matter that much anymore. Thank you very much. Words might not matter anymore. And I that's say that as a writer, so that, that's something. I know. That was that was quite potent there. Thank you very much. Nancy Casey, I saved one minute for you. Let's see. We have yeah, we have three minutes left. Why don't you take Nancy? I'm going to give you 90 seconds for your predictions. Take your time. We have a little extra. They were so brief and to the point, which I appreciate. A little extra. Go ahead, Nancy. Predictions. How far in the future and what do you see for retail CMOs? Go ahead. Yeah, I would, for 2020, I would shift the focus. Uh, I know that uh, Dan and Brian talked a lot about technology. I would say that I think about the market and millennials. 
Uh, everybody, you know, hears about millennials. I know some people roll their eyes. They get a little tired about hearing about millennials. But by 2020, uh, millennials are, are really driving uh, a large part of retail spending uh, globally. I would predict that 30, 40 percent plus of all global retail spending is going to happen from this group. And what that means from retailers is that, you know, you really need to think about, uh, you know, how do I address this millennial group? It may be hiring uh, more millennials into the workforce uh, so that they can understand that type of thinking, uh, you know, not only hiring, but then as consumers, you know, millennials barely like email, right? They don't like the telephone. They're so technology savvy. <laughs> Um, I'm learning, uh, I learn things on a daily basis on my Apple devices from my 12-year-old. So I just, it's amazing to me. Just, uh, you know, that's, that's a pretty profound change if you think about the shift to millennials and just that, that purchasing and uh, influential behavior, you know, we could see by 2020. Thank you very much, Nancy. And uh, let me see, I'm going to throw a lightning round question with a yes or no answer. We spoke about millennials several times during the show. Do you think millennials will be drawn to leadership in retail? They'll want to become the CMO of the future. This will be a job to which they aspire, to which they, for which they train. Uh, let's quickly go through the panel here. Brian, yes or no? Will millennials want to be more involved in retail? Yes or no? Absolutely. Okay, Dan? Yes. Nancy? Yes, definitely. Okay. Shopper's Delight, what can I tell you? Got to be there to understand it and make it happen. Well, I think they should. Special thank you to Brian Cedarborg at Enspro Consulting, Dan Berthoom at Chain Store Age, Nancy Casey at SAP. Shout out to Matt Small, who sponsors this series. Stacy Reese, you did a great job putting this panel and topic together. Thank you very much. And Stacy, thank you for tweeting. Thank you also to Mandy Lynn, tweeting at Mandy Bay Area, who's been listening and tweeting as well. Appreciate both of you. And a shout out as well to Brad and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air and keeping us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I have a shout out for everyone. It's actually a call to action. I don't know how fashionable it is, but I assume you have a seatbelt somewhere. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'll see you tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, with a fresh edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. What else? Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.